Hi, everybody. Sure good. Are you awake? Should be. The sun is shining. This is like California weather. In fact, we got your weather. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what we're doing wrong, uh, but it is quite overcast in California. It has been for like months. We've had so much rain. I'm not kidding. I, I'm like, this is the end times. Yes, obviously, we've done something wrong. And, and then I hear about your, your heat wave over here. This is pretty great, isn't it? So I'm pretty sure that um, God is very um, pleased with you that you would come to church tonight. So we must pray for everybody else who did not. And, um, so this is great. I'm really glad that I got to come by here and uh, just visit the church. I've been here several times now. I love you guys. I um, always see it as a huge privilege, um, you know, to visit any church. But... Um, you know, I, I do love you guys and, and love, you know, being a part of, you know, a tiny, 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 tiny part throughout the years and um, being able to, to stop in for a couple days. And, and so uh, thanks for having me. And um, so uh, obviously today is Father's Day and um, realize that for um, honestly everybody in this room, that's going to bring up all kinds of different things. Some, some things really good, some things really hard and painful, some things that, um, you know, maybe if you're a father, the things that you uh, wish you would have done or could have done. I know that when it's Mother's Day, you know, if mothers feel that, then fathers should feel that too. And, um, and so I am fully aware that days like this often bring up all kinds of different uh, emotions. And, um, you know, I've had such a strong, uh, representation of uh, fathers in my life. So I feel like that's been one of the main things that has actually formed me um, most definitely into who I am. And, you know, so many people don't realize that how great my father is. And he's such an incredible man and such a good man. My sister's with me on this trip, actually. And, um, you know, we talk often about our, our mother and father and how grateful we are um, for who they are and what they've done in our life, but but our our dad to us, our father, is such a good man. And I have realized, you know, especially in 30 years of ministry, what a gift that is. And um, and my dad still is one, you know, my biggest cheerleaders in every way. And um, both my parents are, and just show up and serve, and and I, I cannot be more grateful for that. And uh, I think if your parents are still with you in any way, I think there's just, you know, a blessing in that. Like, there's an honor. There's a reason why the Bible says honor your mother and father. It's not about actually how well they did in raising you. It actually has to do with honor your fa father and mother so that it will go well with your soul. And what that means is if you don't want to lose your mind, you got to learn how to honor well. Yeah. I mean, there's a principle in that. There's, you know, there's a great blessing that when we learn how to honor well. So it's not about... Uh, you know, a father being perfect or having everything together, but there's something about where we where we choose to honor people, uh, even where they failed us in, in times. So I'm going to actually talk out of uh, Psalm uh, 46 tonight. This is one of the Psalms. You know, there's so many different things, really, honestly, to talk about because there's so many wonderful things uh, about God as our Father. I mean, if we read through the Gospels, there's such a great, you know, uh, you know, example time and again at the earthly ministry of Jesus and 
um, and how Jesus interacted and how Jesus healed and how Jesus saw people and how Jesus loved people. But when we're talking about the fatherhood of God, in fact, if you want to know who you trust the most, you got to ask yourself, like, who are the one that you pray to? Do you pray to the Father? Do you pray to the Son, Jesus? Or do you pray more to the Holy Spirit? That's going to tell you who you have the most relationship with. And, um, and I, I realize that so many people don't address the Father. And there's something that we need to understand of who the Father is to and for us. And Psalm 46 to me is one of those great um, psalms because it's a psalm that's actually been used quite often throughout the years at very desperate times, uh, very uh, you know needy times in culture around the world, actually. Um, when we were, you know, in the States and we had our, our 9-11 attacks, you know, that, you know, hit the trade, the World Trade Buildings, our president got up and this was the, the passage that he actually uh, shared from Oliver Cromwell, who was, there was a real, uh, one of the t most terrible times in the English Civil Wars, the worst of wars, that he accepted the office of Lord Protector of England, and in his inaugural speech in Parliament, he actually used a part of this passage. And um, there's an earthquake in 1750 in London, and Wesley went to preach, and this is what he preached from. So there's something about this psalm where it just kind of reminds us about who God is as Father. And, um, and even though that the world shakes, how many know that like, the world shakes? And the world is a fractured world, but we serve a God that is unshakable. And I think Psalm 46 gives us great insight to that. So is it okay if I just read it over us tonight? Because there is just a power when we just hear the word of God. And when I, when I remind myself just to read the passages, especially when I read Psalms and Proverbs, in fact, Psalms and Proverbs for me the last several years has been the go-to for me. Um, that's been, you know, continuous. They're the, the, the things that I read... Uh, in the morning, they're the things that I especially read at night. They're the things that I, I pray and read to myself. But there's also the things that I pray out loud over my children. And, um, you know, just there's just such a power in both the Psalms and the Proverbs. Because the Bible talks about when we meditate on the words of God that it gets inside of us. You know, that we're supposed to chew on it. We're supposed to have it, you know, not, not, we're not called just to read it. It's supposed to read us. And so Psalm 46 here, let me read this for you. It says this, verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and, and form and the mountains quake with their, their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God is her help. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord. The desolations he has brought upon the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Fortress, that word actually there means safety. This is powerful, isn't it? Of who our God is, that this is a picture of the world shaking. And I love this because, you know, there's... You know, when we read the scriptures, they're very honest, they're very forthright, they're very truthful, where it says to us, there will be trouble. How I many you know there's trouble all around us? 
There's trouble that we're encountering all the time. We live in a troubled world in troubled times. We're seeing that in all, in, in all kinds of different cultures. It's all over the world. It's even in the church where so many things are uh, in trouble. Yet God allows us to be in it. So how many of you know God's called us to be in the world, just not of it? So there's something to say when God is saying to us that in this world we are going to face troubles, that we should not be surprised uh, by those things. We live in a broken world. You know, when the, uh, before the early church, the first church in Acts, it talks about, especially in Acts 2 and Acts 4, it talks about that the first church, they were not called Christians, they were called believers, so there's something about when we talk about like the world around us that yes, the world is full of trouble. Yes, we will have troubles of our own. Yes, there, there's things that we're going to walk through. But we are called to believe in one that's above it all. And we're called to actually have faith to live in from that, that perspective. We're called to believe. And how many know we can believe in all kinds of different things? <clears throat> Marilyn Monroe said, you know, I choose just to believe in everything a little bit. I think sometimes as a church we actually do that, where we just kind of, I'll take that over there, I'll take that over there. But there's something about, like, as the first church and as we, you know, come into our time and our generation, that as the church we are believers first and foremost, that we choose to believe even though we don't see, especially when we're in trouble, especially when we're faced with trouble. And is it not true that every one of us in this room have you know, critical times in our lives where we encounter things that we never thought we would encounter and that we go through things that we never planned for. How many of you ever had that happen to you, right? Where life did not turn out like how you thought it was going to turn out? Because if life has turned out for you the way you thought it was supposed to, oh my gosh, I want your life. Because <laughs> that's just not reality. You know what I mean? Like we can plan, and, but Proverbs says man plans, but it's the Lord that directs the steps, Right? And so we're going to have trouble, and we're going to face trouble, but we all come to times in our life when we'll have these critical crossroads. We'll have these moments of where we have to choose to believe. We have to choose to believe that even though we're surrounded by trouble and even though we're surrounded by opposition, that we choose to trust in God. So the psalmist here of what's being said is that there will always be trouble this side of heaven, that we're not waiting for everything to be perfect. We're not waiting for you know, perfection in others. We're not waiting for perfection in our own lives. We're not waiting for perfection in our circumstances, but we do gaze upon the one who is perfect and the perfection of who he is. And even in the midst of trouble, and this is what's such good news, is that even in the midst of trouble and even in the midst of a fractured world, we ourselves do not need to be fractured. We ourselves can be shaken but at the end of the day, God will never be shaken. There's something to hold on to in that. That's what the psalmist is saying here. And God is an ever-present help, which means it is saying, actually translated, it even means like a chaos. So it's not just talking about trouble. He's talking about that there's actually a chaos that sometimes that we are surrounded by. The imagery here is that it's the earth that's giving way. So how many know that's a chaos situation? When the earth gives way, how many of you have ever like, encountered something just felt like your legs went out from underneath you? You couldn't catch your breath, and you can't believe what it is that you're having to encounter. I've had those moments throughout my life where I just could not even catch my breath. That's really what the psalmist is saying here, that even though the earth gave way, 
whether that be a physical expression of all of creation, whether that be a, an expression of our lives where it just feels like, you know, like we just are going to fall apart. That's the picture here that even in the midst of that, because twice it mentions mountains, which I think is very significant because ma mountains actually represent power and they represent stability. And what the psalmist is saying that even though the, there's trouble, even though that the, that the earth gives way, there's a stability in God. So you can be shaken to your very core. You can encounter a lot of trouble this side of heaven, but there is a God who never fails. And to believe that and to hold on to that truth, and how many know the enemy loves to steal that truth from us? Corey Ten Boom said this. She was asked one time about a lesson, you know, when she was in a concentration camp, and she said, this was her response. She said, God's love still stands when everything else fails. When everything else fails, when everything else falls, and everything else around us is shaking, our God is a God who stands. And he is a God of love, is he not? And that our God loves us no matter what. In verse 6, it talks about that the nations actually are in uproar and kingdoms fall. How many know God is the one who actually raises kings up and God takes kings out of position? Like sometimes I think we believe we have way too much power, even with the government, you know. But at the end of the day, it is God who allows those that actually get into office. Uh, you know what? He's the one who raises kings up. I believe that in the church. I believe that God gives people you know, visibility in the church, people that we would never pick. And really what the picture is, is that God will allow things. It doesn't mean it's his will. It doesn't mean that it's what his choice was. Remember they, in the Old Testament, in, the, in uh, Israel wanted a king because they wanted to be like everybody else. And so God gave them a king. They didn't have kings up until that point. Sometimes we mistake where we think God's will. When we think God's opening up a door, we've been pushing that door down so long that God finally said, go, go, go ahead and have it. And sometimes I think we misunderstand, you know, open doors and what God's doing with, you know, God really wanting that for our lives. Is that not true? Because we have free will. That's part of the earth shaking is that we have free will. I think at the church we don't talk about this enough. Where we do have free will. God gives us free will because he wants us to come to him because of love. And that we choose to, to believe in him and choose to trust him. But this is what's so provisional about this word. As the word trouble here means that you will have adversity in your life. The word trouble here means opposition. It means affliction. It means distress. And it also means tribulation. And that word tribulation actually means trials, you know, of all kinds. The book of James talks about it as well. So it's basically covering, this is what's so funny, funny, not funny, is that basically it's covering all of the things that we would encounter this side of heaven that we would rather avoid. And so the promise that what we're holding on to is this is what's so provisional about God is he's saying no matter what comes against you, no matter how the enemy comes against you in whatever form, no matter whatever you're up against, no matter what opposition, no matter what trial, no matter what affliction, no matter what disease, no matter what it is, that God is a God that's unshakable, that will the earth give way, that he is the one, basically this is where it lands, God is the one who has the last word over our lives and even our family's lives. I was worshiping that, just reminding the Lord of that again tonight over my own family, how he is the one who has the last word over our family and over our children and all those things that we, you know, love so much this side of heaven. And so what the psalmist is acknowledging here is he's acknowledging the hardship, but I think it's important that we acknowledge 
um, hardship because otherwise we won't face it and we won't be equipped well, right? So we acknowledge it, we know that we're gonna encounter it, but we also land in the place where we choose to trust in God. Verse one, where it talks about the protection of God, that God is our refuge. Let's just listen to this for a minute. God is our refuge, he's our strength and ever-present help in the trouble. That's who God is for you, that he's your refuge. That word refuge actually is like kind of a picture of what you hide in. It's basically what you run to. So like when you're having a hard time or when you're encountering something, it could be a good thing. But whatever you run to actually tells you what you put your trust in. And what they're saying is God is, a, God is a refuge. He's a place of safety. He is the one that we're called to go to. He is, he's not only a refuge, but he's also the one that gives us our strength. Because how many know, especially when you're in trouble, especially when you're being opposed, especially when you have an affliction, you need some strength. That's the promise of God, right? Refuge here actually translated means storm. And storms come and go, do they not? You know where, come on, look at where you live. Storms come and go. If you didn't know that the sun would shine again, that'd be quite depressing, right? Storms come and go, but it means that there's shelter from the storm. There's a refuge in the storm of whatever we face. I think that is a picture of a good father, that he is a safe place, that he is a refuge for you. So no matter what your father was this side of heaven, God is a safe place for you. A place for us to hide, a place for us to get re-nourished again, a place for us to find our strength that we need. That is the provision of God, and that is also the protection of God. Because God knows what we need even more than we know what we need, right? He's interceding for us right now. Because sometimes we can't even explain what it is that we're in need of. And the promise here is that God is so provisional that he is our protection, but he is also the refuge and the place that we can hide out and get the strength that we need. And then in verse 8 where it begins to talk about come and see the works of the Lord. This is perspective. So we find the protection of the Lord. We find the provision of the Lord. And now we find this perspective. Come and see. Like this is, this is like basically the father saying, come and see. I want you to come and see. Like everything's going to shake. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have difficulty. You're going to have affliction. But come and see your Lord. You know, all through the gospels, like all through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's really the message of Jesus. He's like, come and see my kingdom. Come and see, come and follow me. That's how he called all of the disciples. Come and follow me. He, said, I, he, he basically said this to him. I see you. I call you and I make you. And what did he make them into? Fishers of men, disciples. He said, you're, you're fishermen here, but I'm gonna make you fishers into men. And so that's the message model to us. So he's saying here, come and see the works of the Lord. That yes, there is trouble, but there is a God. There is a Father that is so provisional. And that's the perspective that we hold on to. And so everything can shake. It's basically a predicate, a predative, how do you say this word? Predicate followed by an adjective. So it's actually like, this is the problem, but listen, this is another example of who our God is. That he's the beginning, that he's the end, that he's the first, that he's the last, right? That he's all of those things that we hold on to. And that's what we have to celebrate, that God is also our manual, that God is with us. So we come and see who God is because he's a safe place. We come and see who God is because he's so provisional. We come and see who God is because he is a manual. God is with us. So no matter what, I need to know that. No matter what it is that I'm going through, God is with me and that God is for me and that God is provisional for me and that God is my protection. That is God the Father. 
that he is the safe place. Because I'll tell you this, if you don't trust God, you'll never go to God. And if you don't trust God, you won't cry out to God. And if you don't really see him as your refuge, as your place of strength, you won't ask him for the things that you're in need of. So it's a perspective that we need to have. Come and see that God is a good God, that God will protect you, that God will cover you, that God will be your provision. And he is a God of help. In fact, Psalm 46 here, this is really a psalm of our God as a God of help. Why? Because we need him. Because we're surrounded by trouble. We're surrounded by affliction. This is not heaven. We're surrounded by things all the time. So we need to be reminded that we will not make it without Christ. I know that. I know I will not make it without God. I know that I will not, uh, you know, do what it is that I'm called to do or be who it is that I'm called to be without God, without the Spirit of God. I know that. I know my children won't make it without God. I know that. I know that they won't do well this side of heaven. I know that it's only when they trust God and go to God that the blessing of God... And what God has for them is the best that's on their life. I know that. I know that my kids won't make it without church. I know all of the right things. But there's something about that's so personal here in inviting us into this perspective. Is it is personal. It's like you come and see. Like you come and see how good the Father is. You come and see how God is your provision. You come and see how God is your protector. You come and see from God's perspective how safe he is. And how he's a place of strength and a place of refuge. Is that not amazing? That's who God is. There's this great testimony. He's this Chinese Christian. He said this. He said, I was walking through the road of life and had fallen into a great ditch. And the ditch was filled with depression and discouragement and sin. As I laid in that ditch, Muhammad came along and said, it's your fault you're in the ditch. You offended, all, you offended Allah and this is your just punishment. Then Marx came and said, you're in the ditch because of class warfare. You must revolt. But after the government changed, I was still in my ditch. Then Buddha came along and said, you're not really in that ditch. You just think you're there. It's an illusion of your mind. Be at peace. Then Confucius came by and said, here are the 10 steps of self-attainment by which you can get out of your ditch. If you struggle, you will climb out eventually. But as much as I struggled and I strained, I couldn't get out of the ditch because it was too deep. Then one day Jesus came and he saw me in my ditch. And without a word, he took off his white robe and he got down in the muddy ditch with me. And he lifted me up with his strong arms and got me out of the ditch. Thank God that Jesus did that, what I could not do for myself. That's God the Father. That's who he is. He doesn't just rescue us. That He actually goes down with us. He pulls us out. And then he pulls us to himself. It says, this is the place of refuge. This is the place of safety. Jesus does for us, what we cannot do for ourselves. I mean, that's powerful. We just can't do this on our own power. You know that, right? Can't do it on our own. Psalm 46 is such a great reminder of how good and loving our Father is. And then also that God is our refuge and a strength, a very present help in times of trouble. I think that's very important here. A very present help in times of trouble. Because sometimes we think that when we cry out for help that God's not answering us because it's not happening in our timetable or it's not happening in the way that we think we need it to happen. But God is an ever-present help when we call out to him. One of my favorite psalms is actually um, where it talks about that when we cry out to God for help, he never ignores us. I love that psalm. I love that verse. Like, I know that if I'm calling out to the Lord, that he will never ignore my cry for help. This is the promise here. 
In Psalm 46, God is an ever-present help in your time of need, in your time of trouble. So however it is that God is showing up for you, it's probably very different than what you planned because so often we are asking God to change our circumstances without changing us. And how guilty are we, especially as leaders in the church, how guilty are we to expect God to change the world without first changing us? And sometimes we're like, if God's not changing our circumstance, then he must not care about what I'm walking through. If God's not dealing with this person, if he's not dealing with this situation. And basically what God's saying is he is there. He is ever present. And he is our help. He is our strength. He is our power. He just often does things very different than what we would pick. For me, I know that. Because if it was me, I would handle things very differently than how God handles some things, right? And so often I think, man, if God, if you are a God of justice, how come you're allowing this to happen? If you're a God of peace, how come this is like feeling like chaos? If you're a God, and I'm always like kind of talking to the Lord about that. And the promise of this Psalm in Psalm 46 for you and I is that God is an ever-present help in time of need. And that's where we live. Because we are surrounded by trouble. We are surrounded by conflict. We are surrounded by affliction. Some of you have more affliction than others. And you're like, how can I live with this? How can I keep going through life like this? You need to know that God is your ever-present help. And however that shows up for you and however God does that for you, his promise is that he's there. So it may look different. It may feel different. And you have to sometimes hold on to the promise, not the feeling. Because feelings are often a byproduct and sometimes you don't feel it at all. You have to rely on the promise whether you feel it or not that God's promise to you is that he's an ever-present help in your time of trouble. And God is a ever, that as, that's a good father, that God is an ever-present help in your time of affliction. Like, I have to hold on to that, and I have to remember that. And I love that, because this, this language here, a very present, literally means abundant. It means exceedingly. It means with a force. So when God shows up as an ever-present, it's with a force, and it's with an abundance. So if God's promise to you and I is saying, I'm going to show up for you, he's saying, I'm showing up for you in abundance way before, uh, beyond what you can see or what you, can, you and I can recognize. And if we try to bring God down in our, uh, to our level, we'll want to understand everything. We want to try to figure everything out, but that's not the way that God operates, is that he'll ask us to believe. That's why the first church, they were, we're called to be believers before anything, right? That's where our faith lives. But I love that. He's in ever very present times of troubles. He's present with us, very abundant. I love that. That he is our hope in that. And how many know that's where that's where fear gets quenched and that's where it can be replaced with strength. And sometimes when God comes in to empower us and give us strength, it's very different in how God powers us. Because like I said, sometimes God will empower us, not by changing our circumstances, he'll empower us to walk through it. In fact, I can tell you tonight that if God is not changing your circumstance, then you need to reverse out your brain and say, then God allow me and empower me and give me the strength and give me the perspective to walk through whatever it is that you're allowing me to walk through. And sometimes I do have to change the way that I pray because I just have to pray for more strength rather than things that I would like to have different be different. So twice mountains are, are represented, and twice in verse 7 and 11, it repeats the word that for us to hear that the Lord is with us. There's a, the Lord is with. The Lord is with. Like, just think about that for a minute. The Lord is with us. 
Like that, there, you see like kind of a shift here, like halfway through Psalm 46 here, where it talks about the Lord Almighty, right? That he's our fortress, that he's a place of strength, that he's a place in the midst of, of trouble. And he's talking, you know, if we think about even the Old Testament and even Jerusalem, it was a great fortress around there. So when he's talking about a fortress, like the, the people under, had an understanding of what they were talking about, the fortresses that were all around Jerusalem, the fortresses that were around, you know, the, the nations of the day, the fortresses were tall. They were like a big fortress. When he's talking about God being a fortress for you, it means something that you can't get past. It means something, it means that God, nothing passes by God without God's permission because he is a fortress for you. He is a power for you. That's pretty powerful in itself, is it not? Psalm 6, is it not? Psalm 61.3 says this. For thou, Lord, you have been a shelter for me and a strong tower from my enemy. Listen to that again. For you have been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. So he's not only, not only is God strength himself, he gives us strength. He empowers us with his strength. That's what Philippians 4 talks about, right? One of the big, big Bible verses for us, right? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me. Strength is one of the things that God gives to us to empower us through all the things that we walk through in this life. And here's really our role here. This is where it lands. So basically, in the whole promise of everything that we're surrounded by and all the troubles that we face and the things of life that we have to live and you know push through this side of heaven, we should not be surprised by those things. The Apostle Paul reminds us of those things. Peter reminds us of those things. James reminds us of those things, that we should not be surprised by the things that we're encountering this side of heaven that we are going to have trouble, that we are going to have trials, that we are going to have opposition. So we should not be surprised by those things. But our role and our focus is very simple, and I think this is really the challenge here, is it not? It's not whether or not we know we're going to have those things come at us or be, you know, be surprised by things that we wish we didn't have to walk through. This is the challenge. The challenge is here in verse 10 where it says, Be still. I know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob, again, is our fortress, which is our safety. Be, be still. Be still and know. I think being still is one of the hardest things for us to do. Being still is one of the hardest, I think, disciplines for us to learn. I think being still and not trying to fix everything, I think being still and learning how to wait in God's presence, I think being still and not trying to, you know, you know, trying to make everybody happy, being still and trying not to, you know, make our life perfect, being still and just resting in the fact that no matter what shakes around us, our role is to be still in Jesus. And that's a challenge, is it not? If it wasn't, it wouldn't be here in the scriptures. So we have to remember that, yes, things will shake, but God is a God who keeps us in perfect peace. God is our place of refuge to just be still. And just to remember that, the Lord's been teaching me this again. I'm telling you, like, some of the things that the Lord's having me walk through are not easy for me. They're just not easy right now. I mean, like, I in the last year, like, I've just stepped into so many new things, again, in ministry, and it is, like, a bit overwhelming, if I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm... It's not that the ministry is overwhelming. What's overwhelming is the ministry. You know why? Because the ministry has people. And you know why? Because when God is building something, 
If we don't stop and be still and wait for God to build it, then it's us building it. And so for me, it's like I'm having to walk through all this all, all over again on a whole different level. I'm having to learn to walk through this thing again of just being still and trusting the Lord, whatever he's doing and however he's doing it and however he's building his church and however he wants my life and whatever it is that he's doing. And my role is to be still and wait to see where the Holy Spirit's leading and to get behind that. Because that's where my safety is. That's where my strength is, right? That's my place of refuge is just getting behind God and living in that place of just being still. And I've been challenged on this on such a deep level where the very things that I've held so dear for decades, where those things have been challenged again, and even this weekend where the Lord has reminded me of that, of just being still and not trying to fix everything, of just being still and just doing what it is that he's called me to do, just being still and not worried about my children so much, just being still and not worried about circumstances, just being still reminded that God is my provision, just being still and not worried about even anything in the ministry because at the end of the day, the ministry is just the ministry. It's not the most important thing. That is not the most important thing this side of heaven at all at all. The most important thing this side of heaven is that I become more like Jesus. And that's a little bit harder work than building church, if I'm going to be honest. And the best place for God to form me is when I'm still. When he can just speak to me, and I just settle my spirit, and I'm living, and I'm breathing, and I'm operating from that place. I have a peace on me, and I'm okay. But that has gotten shaken in me the last year. That's the truth. It's just shaken me because I've got so much responsibility. And all of us go through different seasons in our life where, again, God is challenging us. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a whole life. We go through different seasons, and we go through different challenges. And it's almost like where God invites us in again. But it's also a reminder to stick with the most important things. And the most important things I've found through the last, I don't know how many years I've been on this earth, obviously, 30 or so, <laughs> is just to be still and to live in that place and to not get caught up. And I'm telling you, this has been, this is like, I feel like I'm, sometimes I so identify with the Apostle Paul and when he talks about that raging war, you know, that thing that's inside of you, because the enemy's always trying to still our stillness. And he's always trying to steal our peace. And he's always trying to steal the thing that's most important. That's been a real struggle for me, if I'm honest. Like it's a back and forth, a back and forth. Sometimes I do, I do it really well, and I feel like I'm operating in the great place, and I'm like again having to relearn the simple things. I think we complicate so many things this side of heaven. But the just being still and just remembering that God is a good God. And God the Father, and things are going to shake, and things are going to fall apart, and things are going to turn out different than what we planned, but at the end of the day, God is an ever-present help, that God is a forceful help, and that he is a place of strength, that he is a place of safety, that he is a fortress for you. He's a fortress for me. That's a powerful reminder. And how many know, like, the enemy will, will keep us busy and thinking that our busyness is most important, and our doing, and just, you know, making things happen. And at the end of the day, where God says to us, just would you be still? Would you just sit, almost to like a two-year-old, could you just sit still? And I have to remind myself, that's actually, that's, that is way more important than my ministry assignment. 
In fact, that is my ministry assignment, that I'm first learning to sit with the Lord and be with the Lord and allowing God the Father to actually set my identity in him, that no matter what's going on around me, that's where I live from, that's where I lead from, that's where I serve from, that's where I love from. All of the things that are supposed to come out of my life have to come from that place. If they don't, you know what they come out of? Chaos. Because chaos is the opposite of being still. And chaos is what happens when we see trouble. And chaos and panic and fear and all of those things that the enemy tries to use to try to still that peace, that peace of being still. And this is one of my favorite things about God is that he doesn't just give peace, he is peace. And a big part of being still, it's not about like not moving. It's Because how many know, like you can be going and going and going, but you can be going in circles. So it's not about just stopping it's actually learning to rest in the peace and the stillness of who Jesus is. Let God put your identity straight. Let God tell you who he, who he is. And let God remind you that he will show up for you. Because that's his promise. Psalm 46, that he is a God, a good father, a God of help. An ever-present help. Isn't that a great promise? Amen? Amen. Amen. That's who God is. So however God has been presented to you, however the Father has been presented to you, I'm here to tell you that, yes, the world will let you down. Yes, people will let you down. But God is a, a safe place. And God is a place. And if you could just let yourself be still and rest in that and hear that for yourself, that's where your peace will come from. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand?